I invite you to remain standing. It's today we read from the third chapter of 2 Timothy. I invite you to hear these holy words. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have known sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the person of God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. This is the Word of God for the people of God. We again say a word of welcome this morning to all of you. We're so thankful for your presence today, those here in the sanctuary, as well as those who are streaming and, of course, watching on television. We also say a word of greeting to those in Hamburg, Mina, and Perigold, as well as those in our hospitals across the, straight, across the state and our homebound as well. One quick announcement, if you have an interest in being a part of a grief group, if you've had some kind of loss and are interested in being part of a group, please go to the front desk here today and provide them with that information and they'll be happy to provide you with the appropriate information. Also, if you're interested in Stephen Ministry, there is a meeting today at noon in the mirror room. If you need directions, there are those who can certainly direct you that way. So please let anyone at the front desk, if you're interested in anything, be aware of that and we'll get you where you need to go. We're grateful for your presence. Let us pray. O Lord, in the silence of this moment, prepare our hearts and our minds to hear your word for us this day, and work your will in our lives. Amen. It's filled with history, hymns, poetry, prophecy, laments, praise, biographies, personal correspondence. The Bible is authored by more than 40 writers over a period of 1,500 years. It is, by far and away, the greatest selling book of all time. More than 6 billion copies have been sold. And every year, it tops the list as the best-selling book on most occasions. Most all Christians, whether they've read it or not, own a Bible, surveys tell us. The Bible is a library of writings that tell us who God is, who we are, and our relationship with the God we know in and through Jesus Christ. Paul wrote a long time ago to his protege, Timothy, offering a word about the importance of applying Scripture to one's life on a continual basis. Now, you have to remember, of course, in this day and time, they didn't have what we know to be the New Testament. They had sacred writings, but their primary source of Scripture would be what we call the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. But it is filled with information that gives us a clear picture of who God is and how desperately God loves us and longs to be in relationship with us. And let me say again what Paul writes to 2 Timothy. 
All Scripture is inspired, or as some versions say, God breathed and is useful for teaching, for reproof, that is, for convicting, for correction, and training in righteousness, so that a person of God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. So what we recognize in all of Scripture, including as New Testament people, those 27 books of the New Testament, these are words that inspire us, motivate us, encourage us, tell us who we are, remind us of the importance of what it means to be in relationship with God and in relationship with each other through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And in the process of doing so, Paul, the apostle, tells Timothy, it equips us to do good work. Why in this church would we build a Habitat for Humanity house, need to raise $40,000 to contribute our portion and instead raise $171,000? Why would we give away more than 21,000 diapers in a day? Why would we feed hundreds and hundreds of people who are hungry and are reliant on the generosity of Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church? Why do we do that? Because we are a people of the word. As United Methodist Christians, we read the Bible in such a way that it empowers us. It teaches us. And Paul says, equips us to do good works. Now, all of us had the capacity within us to be compassionate and concerned about one's neighbor. But what pushes us even more to act on that concern is that we read Scripture and we remind ourselves of who we are in the process of doing so. And people benefit as a result. Remember Peter at Pentecost as those who received the Holy Spirit upon them start acting in an unusual way, believes the crowd. Peter steps up and quotes scripture to the crowd to remind them that what is taking place is prophetic. It was predicted. Remember Philip, who encounters an Ethiopian eunuch who has been reading from the prophet Isaiah, but he doesn't understand it. So Philip takes Isaiah, that scripture, and teaches this Ethiopian what it means, and then he is baptized. He is converted because he has taught scripture about one who is to come into the world we know to be the Messiah. That scripture is true. An Ethiopian was indeed convicted when he was taught. Remember, Peter and John stand before the Sanhedrin, the Jewish Supreme Court, if you will, and they are instructed to stop talking about Jesus Christ being resurrected from the dead, and they refuse to do so. And the way they take on their responsibility is to quote Scripture. Even Jesus himself used Scripture time and time again. Remember when Jesus is about 30 years of age. Up until that point in his life, he has been a laborer. And at 30 years of age, it is time for him to make his public declaration of who he is and what he is to do. 
and he's in his hometown, and he opens up the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, his scripture, and he reads about one who is to come into the world who can cause the blind to see and the lame to walk. And Jesus rolls, closes up the scroll and says, Isaiah's talking about me. He uses scripture to make a public declaration about who he is. There are those who come to Jesus and say, what is the greatest commandment of all? And Jesus quotes scripture from Deuteronomy 6. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Jesus even quotes scripture on the cross when he is dying. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That comes directly from Psalm 22. And then as he breathes his last, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit from Psalm 21. Jesus and the early apostles were very intentional about telling everyone, if you were going to follow Jesus Christ, we would say in contemporary language, know your Bible. That's how you find out who you are. That's how you find out to whom it is you belong. That's how you find out your purpose in life. And that's what Timothy hears in those words that would have been spoken time and again, written by the Apostle Paul. What Scripture does for us, and as United Methodist Christians, Scripture is paramount. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, said, I am a man of one book. Now, Wesley was extraordinarily well-read, and he wrote continually preached thousands and thousands of sermons. What, of course, Wesley meant was there is one book that supersedes all others because it tells us who God is. God is the God of all creation, the God who took a group of people and said, you are my chosen ones. You are who I want you to be, only to discover time and again they are not who God would have them to be, and yet God never gives up on them. In the New Testament, we discover that those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, by reading Scripture, are royalty. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's chosen ones. We are somebody, says the Bible, time and time again. And Scripture teaches that and the importance of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. If you want to know who you are, if you want to know your purpose and your reason for being in the world, read your Bible. There are a lot of biblical illiterates out there who come to church every Sunday, who rarely crack open a Bible. And I never really have figured that out, because it is that life-giving, contemporary resource. It is not outdated. It is not antiquated. It is relevant for all of us as much today as it was when it was written centuries and centuries ago. Because the human condition is still the same, and because God is still the same, those don't change. So we remind ourselves how important it is to read our Bible. And over the years, lots and lots of people, as you can imagine, have offered up excuses as to why they don't read their respective Bible. And I've heard them all, and I've used them all myself. But I'm not sure any of them 
are really true because we seem to be able to do the things in life that are really important to us. We seem to make time for them. We take the energy, make the effort. Whatever it is that is important for us, we know we do what it takes to make it happen. But I hear lots of people say, I just don't have time to read the Bible. Of course, these are the same people that find time, time after time after time during the course of any day to read their phone to read emails and text messages and get online. They find all the time in the world. So I have a solution. Put the Bible on your phone, and that's all you got to do. You can get an app. Read it. You don't like the version because you don't understand it. It's Middle English, and I can't seem to grasp what it says. You can find one that was written two months ago. I bet you anything, if you want. We are a people of the word. That's what it means to be a United Methodist Christian. Our Methodist movement has always been about making scripture primary, most important. So we do it. Many times in my life, I have stepped back and wondered, I wonder what my purpose is. What is my real reason for being in the world? And I've discovered more often than not that if I read my Bible, I can discover my purpose because ultimately it's the same purpose you have, the same reason for being that you have. We're all in this together. All created in the image of God, says the Bible. All sacred, regardless of where we come from, in the eyes of God. And, quite frankly, all of us fallible, all of us sinful. So God chose to come to us in flesh in the name of Jesus Christ, one who is God among us, to teach us how much God loves us and to show God who God is for all of us. Because there are times when we just have to be honest with ourselves and maybe we think we're a whole lot better than we really are. And what Scripture can do oftentimes is expose those weaknesses, those faults. And as Paul says to Timothy, convict us. And he says Scripture corrects us, puts us back on the right path. I remember some time ago, I mean, it's been quite a while ago, I watched one of these TV news magazines show, and it was a group of people who went into high-dollar high-end hotels, and they would rent a hotel room for the night, and they would turn out the lights at night so that the whole room was dark, and then they would pull out a blue light. Oh, my Lord, have mercy. I cannot imagine doing that in a hotel now. You'd never sleep in one. And they start, now these are high-end hotels, very expensive hotels in major cities, and there are stains everywhere. Who knows what it is, but it's all over the place. And what they said in that was that the only way to discover all the stains, all the marks, so that they can be corrected, cleaned up, is to use a special tool. In that case, a blue light. Because the naked eye can't see it. That's what Scripture does for us. It is that special tool that exposes the stains in our life and then enables us, as Paul says, to correct them, to get right back on the right path. Because I promise you, if you read your Bible, you will discover that it is filled with direction and opportunity to learn. 
I'm so glad these third graders received a Bible today. This can be a life-altering experience for them. And if you are a parent of a third grader who's received a Bible today, let me tell you something. You have a moral obligation to make sure that they read it. It's important. It's going to enable them to have a sense of self-confidence and a sense of self-worth that I think at some level they wouldn't have otherwise, and you owe that to them. It's going to enable them to recognize that they have a purpose and a reason for being, and they are of sacred worth, and I think to some degree they would not know that outside the Bible. So you owe it to them. Please teach them. I read a survey this week from the American Bible Society. Between the years 2011 and 2021, Bible reading remains steady. So I dove in deeper. What does Bible reading mean? Now hear this, you all. This was mind-boggling to me. A regular Bible reader by the American Bible Society was one who read their Bible three times a year. That's a regular Bible reader. What if you said to your respective spouse just three times a year, I love you, or to your child? Is that sufficient? Is that enough? But here's what's more interesting about that survey. They discovered that in 2022, Bible reading from quote-unquote regular Bible readers dropped dramatically, and they cannot figure out why. In the year 2022, with all that's going on in the world, the American Bible Society said, we don't understand with all the conflict in the world and all the division and all the uncertainty, it seems as though people would read their Bible more and more, and yet it has decreased dramatically. But then the question was asked in the survey, would you like to read your Bible more, or do you feel like you need to? And the vast majority of people, by far and away, said, I don't read it enough. I ought to read it a whole lot more. So what keeps us from doing that? If it's unfamiliarity, then read it more. You'll be familiar with it. If it's boring, turn that page and find another page and read it. And you'll discover eventually that it's all so interconnected, so interwoven, so intertwined, that it's not boring. It's one grand and gracious story for all of humanity. I do read the Bible a lot. And I know I should because at some level, quite frankly, I get paid to do so. Because i got to stand up here and talk to you all every week. So I better know something about Scripture, but I decided a long time ago I was just going to read it every day of my life just because I need to. And I've done it many, many, many times from cover to cover. And I'm always fascinated with how I'll read something in Scripture. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was reading something in Scripture, and I thought, I've never read that in my life. And that's a lie, of course. I've read it I don't know how many times, but it never meant anything to me, and evidently I just glossed over it all these years, and suddenly it came to life for me. It is a living, breathing document inspired by God, says Paul, for all of us. That's why United Methodist Christians read it. Now, it's more than just about reading it, says Paul. It's about making it applicable to our life. Anybody can read the Bible. It doesn't take 
real skill to do that if you have the capacity to read, nor does it take a lot of skill to memorize Scripture. And there are times when people will take Scripture and use it to justify whatever it is they're standing up for. Sometimes that's good, and sometimes that's not so good. Thomas Jefferson got so tired of Scripture that he chopped it up. Thomas Jefferson did not believe in the divinity of Jesus, so he takes the whole New Testament and it ends at the end of the Gospel of John with them rolling Jesus into the tomb. There's nothing beyond that because there's no need for it because there is no resurrection because Jesus was not divine. You can still get it. It's called the Jefferson Bible. You can get it online. But Jefferson was just uncomfortable with things that he couldn't explain, so he just chopped it up and made his own. There are those who are slave owners who use Scripture to justify purchasing other people and abusing them as if they were nothing but property. Adolf Hitler didn't like the fact that Jesus was a Jew, of course, so Hitler got the Lutheran Church to take all the Jewish references to Jesus out of the Gospels, and it was thinned down dramatically. So I think it's important not to have somebody else tell you what the Bible says. Read it for yourself so you formulate your understanding of Scripture. That's critical for all of us. Francis Asbury was one of the first bishops in the Methodist movement. Asbury, at his ordination services, when young pastors were to be ordained, would, after ordaining them, hold up his Bible and he would say to all of them, this is the minister's battle axe. This is your sword. You go therefore and conquer. We all want to know that we have a purpose and a reason for being. The Bible tells you that continually. We all want to know that we are loved and that grace abounds. The Bible writes about that constantly. We all want to know that we can be forgiven of our egregious sin and somehow pick ourselves up and do it again. The Bible lets us know that over and over again. We somehow want to know that our reason for being in this world is greater than ourselves, and the Bible directs us and instructs us in that all the time. That's why United Methodist Christians read the Bible. So you know what? Here's what's really cool. We read the Bible as United Methodist Christians because we are somebody and this book tells us that over and over again. It tells us that we believe in a God who created us and loved us enough to come into the world as one of us, who will never leave us nor forsake us. So you know what? This is our battle axe. This is our sword to fight the evil of the world. So we go, therefore, and we conquer in the name of Jesus Christ. That's why we read the Bible. Hallelujah. Amen.